Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast. In this episode, we will explore managing a mixed virtual and live workplace. I'm Alicia Scott, and today we are joined by Dr. Bill Quinn, Vice President of Operations with Roscom. Dr. Quinn, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us about managing a mixed virtual and live workplace. Thank you, Alicia. I'm very happy to be here. In the last few episodes, we've been talking about the things unique to businesses and organizations operating remotely, entirely virtually, or in a hybrid model of operations. So, Dr. Quinn, would you mind telling us why is there a need for a mixed virtual and live workplace? Well, Alicia, even prior to the ongoing response to COVID-19, we were seeing some mixed workplaces arising for various reasons. They could have been you know, a cost savings, helping families achieve better work-life balance, et cetera, things to that nature. However, obviously with COVID, we've definitely seen a shift in the way that many companies are operating. Uh, despite the shutdown rules for quarantining in the US, manufacturing, as well as a few other industries need to continue to function. International trade restrictions imposed as part of the response has exposed some real vulnerabilities in the U.S. supply chain. In the beginning of the shutdowns, we saw shortages of medical equipment, personal protective equipment, pharmaceuticals, things to that nature. Now we're starting to see a scarcity of some electronic components that are critical in everyday items we purchase as well. Manufacturing is still a very labor-intensive industry, and as a result, some staff will always need to be on site for these facilities to function in an effort to maximize productivity and meet customer demand while still following mandated guidelines, many companies have moved functions that can be performed offsite to remote offices, at home, things to that nature. Pretty much in short, the response to COVID is creating more mixed workplaces than we've ever seen before. You know, you mentioned about the scarcity of resources being in a manufacturing environment. So I would think that, you know, obviously that would be one of the disadvantages. Um, would you say that there are other disadvantages to that are unique to a mixed virtual and live workplace in addition to those that you mentioned? Well, I think your biggest disadvantage, while not necessarily unique, it's the inherent challenge of change. And in most cases, we're seeing rapid change with companies switching to this mixed workplace. It's really the biggest issue to overcome, in my opinion. Mixed workplaces have a dynamic that many of us, you know, whether managers or employees, have never functioned in before. As a result, there's no real how-to manual or specific set of rules for success with respect to how to deal with changes in the workflow uh, that arise from the mixed workspace. In traditional workplaces, one could always improve performance and deal with issues by simply putting in more hours, seeking out real-time help from coworkers and managers, and these options may not necessarily be available in the mixed virtual workspace. This brings me to another challenge. Workers that spent most of their lives in an office environment and prior to that office environment, probably in a classroom environment, are very used to daily interaction with their peers. Moving to a mixed virtual and live workspace may leave those team members working virtually feeling very isolated. It's been shown that people remote, working remotely can sometimes feel detached from their coworkers or even as the organization as a whole. Uh, this can in turn lead to not only communication issues, but also contribute to a lack of motivation, which can then result in a lack of productivity. Conversely, the employees who are working on site can experience feelings of jealousy towards remote workers. Regardless of how far companies go to assure on-site worker safety, there's still the real potential that these employees would rather be working from their home. 
not only is it a question of perceived safety, but we've also seen, you know, all the stories on social media about people who are taking the extra time generated by working at home, you know, due to not commuting or whatnot, um, to connect better with their families or to renew interest in old hobbies, work out or even learn something new. Personnel who are required to work on site don't necessarily have this added free time and it can spark real feelings of resentment. Uh, and that's not even discussing the resentment that could have been caused by the displaced workers with their added unemployment benefits, while some of these essential workers really carried on at their previous converse, uh, compensation levels. That would just be a topic for an entirely different post, but you really saw some on-site workers have a real issue with the off-site workers. Um, both feeling isolated and this feeling of jealousy can lead to a more universal issue that's experienced by both employees, both categories of employees, namely a lack of motivation. Uh, employees working from home require a higher level of self-discipline and motivation. When they're in the office, it's easy to monitor their activity levels and give immediate feedback if someone is less focused than they should be or dilly-dallying. Uh, they also have the added pressure of knowing their managers are there, so it's a little bit of an external force requiring them to do their work to the best of their ability. When they're working remotely, it's a much more difficult task. I think most people would agree that being at home with distractions such as children, pets, television, chores, a whole slew of others that can easily result in productivity being dropped down lower. Uh, with respect to the on-site employees, not only is there potential lack of motivation due to the jealousy we discussed, but also the simple fact that some of the people previously tasked with monitoring on-site workers are now working remotely. Then you end up with a uh, when the cat's away mentality, and they're not necessarily doing exactly how they should be. That isn't to say that all employees, whether remote or on-site, will feel this way, just that there is a greater possibility with the mixed virtual and live workspace that productivity can slip. Dr. Quinn, you've given us a lot of information. And one of the things that I want to go back to, if, if it's okay, I'd like to talk about um, those challenges. You mentioned resentment, um, you know, the isolation, the lack of motivation. How can companies invest more in preparing employees for working and managing in a mixed virtual and live workplace, considering those issues? How can, how can they do a better job at making sure that they're ready? They know how to, how to manage. I'm a firm believer that there is no better leadership tool or management tool than communication. Uh, immediate and honest feedback, as well as positive reinforcement, can really go a long way towards dealing with those type of issues. You know, for example, the first challenge we discussed was change in people's response to the new dynamic. Change can quickly lead to confusion, insecurity, feelings of inadequacy. Good communication, instant feedback, and positive reinforcement can really help people deal with those factors right away. That's great. Thank you for bringing insight on how companies can better serve their employees when it comes to investing in them so that they can perform better in these types of mixed virtual and live environments. I also want to ask you about, um, you mentioned uh, monitoring work time and measuring productivity. How do you measure productivity in this type of work environment? That's a tough question. Uh, I think the first step is really redefining what the productivity means to the organization. I believe that most managers have been guilty of generating busy type work tasks over the course of the years designed just to keep employees busy or possibly prove a point or just 
gather data that they may someday use without necessarily knowing why. Really tasks that don't add to the bottom line or the success of the company. I think the first step is to take a good look at what task team members are doing on a daily and weekly basis. And the first thing is to remove any non-essential tasks that they're doing that doesn't aid to productivity. Because when you can allow your employees to only worry about tasks that actually help the organization, they tend to do a better job themselves. Um, to that end, once you eliminate that fluff, the next step would be breaking down those critical functions they're doing into easily benchmark steps. Um, the most critical step in tracking those productivity from that is just putting those benchmarks in place with distinct uh, time stops and then allowing the team members to just work through them without being right on top of them. Uh, I think a lot of times managers tend to ask for unnecessary updates or more information in between stopping points. If you eliminate that, it allows people the time and the flexibility they need to accomplish their task in an efficient and effective manner. If the lines of communication are open and established, you can trust them to either do what is asked of them in the time frame provided, or at least communicate back to you why it can't be done. So that goes along with the whole, in order to know what you should expect, you have to inspect it first. Correct. In an earlier conversation that you and I had, you mentioned how you engage with all different levels within your workplace. I think that's important if you wouldn't mind sharing with our audience what you shared with me about uh, the strength in doing that as a vice president of operations, you engage with all elements of your workplace. And I think that's so strong, especially when managing a mixed and virtual uh, workplace. And I think our audience could really benefit from the things that you told me. So if you wouldn't mind um, expounding on that, please share. Sure. Um, as part of my duties, as, as you and I discussed offline, uh, we have a small manufacturing facility and we don't have a lot of redundant personnel. So department managers are in charge of their departments and there are no assistant department managers. There are no you know, uh, unnecessary personnel there. So as a result, if a department manager is overtasked or on vacation or anything to that effect, I take over their department for that time being. That allows me to work firsthand with all of my employees at every level. If I take over production, I talk to the shift supervisors. I talk to the production people. I see them on a daily basis. I know what they're, to an extent, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And it really it builds a level of trust for them and me, I think, that they know that I'm out there and I know what they're doing and I know what they're going through. And from my perspective, it really builds trust that if I have an idea that I want to enact or you know, a new product line that we want to try, I can go to those employees directly and say, hey, this is what we want to attempt to do. Why will it work? Why won't it work? What else would we need in order to be successful in doing this? Building that kind of rapport in every department uh, is critical, I think, for building trust and being successful. Once you move to a virtual workspace and mixed, mixed virtual workspace, it's even more critical because that day-to-day -day interaction isn't necessarily always there. So you have to rely on that base you've built to carry you through for the times when you won't see your employers or they won't see you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'd also like to um, talk about uh, what are your thoughts about flex time? 
I was reading an article where the CEO of uh, Bloomfire, Mark Hammer, mentioned about uh, flex time being a part of our virtual environment and where flex time is no longer a concession, but a solution. How do you feel about that? I think that ties into my uh, point on tracking productivity. It's not so much about what time the employees are working or when they're available, unless, of course, they have a customer service job, which that's a different story. But it's more about results. If you set up a good defined parameters for any project or job task that has, I need X tasks done by this day, this time. If you have the trust, you let that person go and do it whenever that may be. If they choose to during the day, again, for example, during COVID, help their child with homework and homeschooling and then do their work tasks after 6 p.m., after 8 p.m., after dinner time, as long as they get them done by their deadline, when they do it is kind of immaterial nowadays. I would agree. Thank you. Malcolm X said, education is the passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Dr. Quinn, you have truly educated us on managing a mixed virtual and live workplace because the more we are equipped with this knowledge that you've just shared, it will serve as our passport to this new land of hybrid environments in professionally liberating ways that lead to better business practices for today and tomorrow. Dr. Quinn, what advice or words of wisdom would you like to share with our audience before we close? Uh, I think especially in the changing environment we're working in, and I think it will be a continued changing environment, the number one factor that leaders have to identify and focus on is communication. They need to provide a comfortable, safe space for their employees to communicate, and they need to provide the tools needed. Uh, Especially now, during our times, again, we're living with people from multiple generations in the workplace. And those generations tend to be more comfortable communicating through different mediums. Uh, Some may want the face-to-face, which, again, right now is probably not an option for most places. Some enjoy phone calls, conference calls, video meetings, or like such as Zoom are now becoming very popular. Emails, texting, instant messages, there are more ways to communicate now than ever. I think that leaders and managers have to make sure that everyone in their organization understands how to use these different forms of communication and has a reliable way of accessing them. Uh, That way, whether it's communicating with their superiors, their subordinates, or just their coworkers, they can communicate with their subordinates, superiors, or coworkers in a way that's comfortable and enjoyable to them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So varying communication for multi-generations of employees, making sure that they have the tools that they need in a safe environment with reliable access to them in order to thrive in this evolving professional environment that we serve is what you have really brought home and you have enlightened all of us with. And so for that, I truly thank you. And I thank you for joining us in support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Quinn. And I thank you so much for your time. This has been a pleasure, Alicia. 